Welcome to the new Parents at Work Team Clinic podcast. These clinics are an opportunity to dip into a short Q&A and ask a question for yourself that may help another parent going through a similar issue. The format for the show is always the same. I will do a short introduction and we will then have questions people have sent in to me or are the most common questions I get asked in private parenting sessions. Uh, Today is no exception and very reliably, and thank you very much to those who did send them in, the questions have all related to each other extremely well. So it's almost as if I had planned it. So cool. This month's show is about gaming. I posed a few questions in the lead up to this episode. Have we lost a generation to gaming? How are our teenagers' brains being changed by gaming? And perhaps the most important, how do I encourage my teen to be a more discerning gamer? Hmm. In other words, how do I empower them to have the skills of independent decision-making that doesn't abdicate responsibility to another and therefore leave the ability to blame another for the outcomes? Now, I suspect we have all been on the receiving end of our teenagers blaming us for everything that is going wrong in their lives. And, dare I say it, I suspect we have blamed others for everything that is going wrong in our life. So, I always say, and I'll say it billion times through this, make sure we actually look at our own behaviour before we um, spend time criticising other people in our lives and particularly our children because very often they are mirroring something that they have seen us do a coping mechanism that they have seen has worked for us or perceived to have worked for us and therefore um, you know it looks highly efficient and why don't they use it as well just to give you some statistics from the eSafety website Online multiplayer gaming is very popular activity for young Australians. Six out of 10 8 to 17 year olds have played these games and that is both genders. Anonymity is an important aspect of online games. One in two 8 to 17 year olds have played with people they have not yet met in person. Again, don't forget this is a time where they're programmed biologically to um, want to go out and meet new people. They are developing a life outside the family because that is what they that's what independence is that's what growing up is they've got to learn how to to walk away from the family and start their own lives around 34 percent of uh, teen of children aged 8 to 17 made an in-game purchase between June 2016 and June 2017 now that is a high number and we have to question um, whether or not Uh, They have parental permission to do so. Uh, Gambling is an enormous problem in teens at the moment. An estimated 17% of multiplayer games experienced in-game bullying. That's roughly more than 200,000 young Australians. Now, um, we talk about bullying um, in person and we talk about it transferring on social media but also you know bullying in gaming is is very is very prevalent i remember looking over the shoulder of my son as he played minecraft and absolutely being horrified at what was saying in the chat box the language that was used the um the the bullying that was going on was just oh, appalling and that's really worth us 
clocking, what they're what they're having to read and listen to. And I think my son might have been about 12, 13. So I needed to equip him with how to cope with what was being said, what was appropriate, what wasn't, when to report, when not to report. And what I noticed is that actually he is someone who, although he has taken on some of that um, wording himself, and I hear it when you know he's talking with his sisters, uh, he actually has a sense of right and wrong and a sense of what's appropriate and what appropriate, what is not appropriate, way beyond what perhaps I have shared with him. Um, he's actually been discerning for himself. So all I needed to do was give him the skills and to recognize that those skills are ongoing and that I am a reflection in his life of what's appropriate and what isn't because he may well have been hooked into um, a world that he classes as normal that I wouldn't class as normal um, and I say this for you know not just my kid that's you know working with an awful lot of young people in this area um, now how young people responded to bullying that they experienced while gaming online 42% turned off the chat function which personally I think is a fantastic idea 41% um, ignored the bullying I think that's really uh, a smart way to uh, learn how to do it because people are going to say whatever they want in life and we have to learn how to um, how to deal with that. Uh, I do not agree with um, pretending it's all fine. I think you've actually got to be able to verbalize with someone how feral and um, unpleasant it is. And stop. 38% um, stop playing a game with bully and bullies. Um, that is, you know, you, you've you've got to say to someone, um, you've got to walk away at the end of the day for someone to know that the way they're behaving is inappropriate because for them, that might be their normal. Uh, they might see it as banter. Don't get me started on banter. Um, young people also use more formal channels to deal with bullying. So, for example, 30% um, of multiplayer games who are experienced bullying reported it to the game moderators and that's really smart we want them to do that because until we bring accountability nothing will change um so this is really interesting as well and and not a surprise you see this in real life you see it in adults you see it in parents you see it in children one in five young people who were bullied while playing also retaliated so 25 percent of teens 14 to 17 year old versus 19 percent of kids and the the differentiation between boys and girls is 24 percent of boys were more likely to retaliate than 16 percent of girls our relationship with computers has evolved at an incredibly fast pace and over a couple of generations we have gone from no computers to concerns about brain changes that come from addiction to computers uh, they are designed to manipulate, to hook. Uh, developers work with psychologists to work out how to make games more addictive and more impulsive, which is absolutely shocking. And if you want to read an article on that, may I direct you to a medium.com article, which is titled The Tech Industry Psychological War on Kids. It is really good for sharing how, you know, psychologists who whose code of ethics talks about Psychologists strive to benefit those with whom they work and take care to do no harm. Children have even more protection because of their developmental vulnerabilities impair autonomous decision making. Now, 
you know, I think I think kids have a, a great ability to discern what is right and wrong. But when someone who should know better and who actually understands the way the brain works purposefully goes out to make you addicted to something and actually turn off the receptors that tell you enough is enough. We have to understand that we've got an awful lot working against our children to be making um, smart decisions around these games. So we have to consciously step forward and help them learn how to see the manipulation, which is a life skill, and also how to um, how to make more positive decisions for their, for their own behavior. Again, a life skill. We're using the unreal world for skills to cope with the real world. And this potentially is part of the problem. The brain prunes what it doesn't feel is necessary at this age. It's highly energy efficient. Therefore, if we are less focused on physical health and, and, and instead enjoy brain stimulation, that is what it will tell you it's going to get the best high and the most happiness. If playing games with your headphones on shuts out the noise of your parents arguing or your siblings fighting or someone telling you to do things you don't want to do or it helps you cope with an average or potentially bad day at school, if it helps you let off steam, if it helps you direct your aggression to virtual assassination and destruction rather than actual assassination and destruction in your room or in your home, then it's all good, right? It's become entirely logical. Look, I don't judge those who find pleasure in gaming, not at all, because spending a few minutes genuinely chatting with people who game and actually working uh, with some people who, who made a program about gaming and about the amazing uh, games that they play and the connections that they have, I totally understand it. It isn't something that I would spend my time doing, but I can understand it. And I can understand the subtleties in expression and behavior. I can understand that it helps them self-soothe. I can help that it, un it helps people who, aren't, who don't feel safe to communicate face-to-face. -face. It helps them build relationships with people online. I get that. So this episode is not going to be about banning gaming. And if you want that, then please turn off right now. Because I can't give you that. Because this is part of their life and, and um, parenting teens is about giving them the skills, equipping them to be able to cope with everything that life throws at them. But what you will get today are some strategies for building conversations with your teens about what interests them and why and put into place some get agreed boundaries about um, use that empower them to be on the front foot in their own lives and discerning users, which are, let me say, entirely transferable life skills. Let me start with the questions. So this is from, I love this person dearly. Where do I start? I feel like I've not noticed how addicted they were to gaming till now. And now they don't want to know me or talk to me, which makes it really difficult to have conversations about rules with the Xbox. I so get that. Um, look, I have to say one thing to start off with, not so we can all beat ourselves up, but let's be honest. There are a lot of patterns of behavior we choose not to see for a very long time. And then when we're not getting what we want, we suddenly blame the other person for the addiction. You know, I went into a whole load of beat up when I spotted that um, in different areas of my life and in myself, but it is never too late. The point is the teen is going to need some honesty from you and 
and understanding that you've spotted something that's actually not working. This is your home. You have every right to set some rules in your home. And actually, if you're a bit on the back foot, you have to own and say, look, I've let this go on for too long. I'm a bit, a bit behind the eight ball. But sometimes as parents, we need to lay some rules and boundaries and foundations uh, to nurture a little bit more of that than the uh, checked out behavior that can go on with the coping mechanisms. Do you own your house? Do you uh, do you pay the bills? Do you pay the rent? Do you um, do you have a say, therefore, about what goes on in your home? I would say yes. You have the ability to turn the internet off. You have the ability to set standards in your home that you all live to. As I always say, though, talk your walk. Don't just talk it. Um, don't start spouting off before you've made some changes in your own use. Otherwise, you will not truly understand why they're using the coping um, mechanism. Um, they will observe that you all talk and no trousers, uh, to use another saying, and they will rebel further. Um, and it will just get worse because you haven't actually addressed the why. You've only addressed the what. Okay, so start by letting your teen know that you want to have a conversation about their use of the computer or the Xbox or both. Uh, this could be transferred to phone, social media use, but let's make it specifically about one thing. It's super important that you are on yourself um, if you start making it about something else. And that's why it's really helpful to perhaps have both parents there with one parent trying to keep it on track. This is going to be a search and learn process. You're going to listen. Now, if you don't tend to listen to your child very often, and you, if you tend to give them your opinion all the time or jump in and interrupt, then they're going to um, they're going to think that it's not safe to talk. They're not going to think that you're even going to listen. Um, and if you do, they might think you come from Mars and who's taken their parent. But it's something that we need to do. Keep learning. Keep listening. Keep asking the questions. They are super smart, and when they trust you, they will tell you. Again, having a second person there to keep it on track is really helpful. And to say, ha -ha, you've interrupted, just listen. Um, ask them if they think their use is appropriate. Let's find out what they think. Because I have not come across any young person who doesn't know when their use is appropriate and not appropriate at all. Ask them what elements they think you don't like. Um, that that gives you an idea of what they think you think, um, just as they have an idea of what they think, what you think they think. Sometimes that is likely to be open to misinterpretation. Then let them know what you've learned from your conversation with them. Clarify with them that you have understood them. They will then be able to tell whether you've listened or whether you've just heard things that you wanted to hear. Give them permission to say, mm, no, that's not what I meant. Give the other person their permission to say, oh, I didn't hear that. I heard this. So that you actually start to have those conversations that are truly listening to each other and, and clarifying and valuing each other's words. Please, please, please try really hard not to be defensive or to justify. We're just humbly learning what each other feel and giving permission to speak. Don't forget, their brain is still learning to discern the subtleties of communication as well. They've been brought up in a society that values being polite over telling the truth. So they are likely to say what they think you want to hear rather than what they actually feel to start off with. In, in my work with, um, 
with teenagers, I offer them the space to say it as they see it and to practice that with an adult, regardless of if they think I'm going to like it or not. Because that way they learn it's safe to do it with an adult and they can learn how to communicate in a way that is more um, able to be heard rather than just um, reacting and then having conversations shut down. Consider making the plan. Uh, this is going to bring up a lot. They're going to have to be thinking about it a lot. So are you. They may need to go and self-soothe for a bit. I mean, they might need to go on and play just to actually, ah, they got into their feelings and their bodies and it's like, ah, let me get out of here again. There's just so much coming up. Don't judge them. Excuse me. I have seen many adults reach for a cigarette, reach for a glass of wine, uh, need to go to the gym, need to go back to work, get on their phone, put the remote control up, go into, you know, binge watching. We all have our coping mechanisms, me included. They might need self-soothe just as much as you do. Give yourselves space, but always remember, how is my body feeling? What am I using as my coping mechanism? Can you make that a learning experience between the two of you, the two of you? Okay, so what should be in my plan? What a good question. See, do you see what I mean? They just like build on each other. So awesome. It's almost as if you knew where we needed to go next. <laughs> All right, this is what parents can do. How long? Get an idea. How long do we agree is appropriate? Listen, yet negotiation. You are teaching your kids how to negotiate. Be prepared to negotiate. Um, equally, be prepared to stick to what you feel is appropriate. And if you want, do some research to find out and then stick with that. You are the adult. You might need to um, explain why you feel that timing is appropriate. And then maybe give a little bit more, give a little bit less. You know, work out the circumstances that that will change. But otherwise, to start off with, you need to actually come to an agreement together and agree it. How long? What's the time? When? What time of day is okay and not okay? Is it okay in the morning? Is it okay in the evening? How is it going to make you feel before school? How is it going to make you feel before you go to bed? Um, then uh, if you've got a time limit, what's the warning sign that they're approaching their time limit? So do you want to agree that when it's, if, it, if they're going to be able to do it before dinner, you're going to give them a 10 minute warning, five minutes, one minute? What are the consequences of them being late? And maybe ask them, how can mum, dad help or whoever else is in the house help to make this transition work? Um, do they feel like they have it all in hand? They'd like to have a go and have a see and then come back and check in and see what's working, what isn't. Go from there. What can a teen look to consider? Okay, I would encourage a teen to start to check in to how they feel before and after they go on the game. How do each game make them feel? Uh, some games are going to make them feel happy. Some girls, games frustrated, irritated. I've learned so much. I'm not going to spoon feed. You go and ask your, your teen and, and learn for yourself. It's amazing. Um, they need to ask themselves, how am I going to do this time limit? Do I set my phone? Do I set an alarm? What do I do? Do I have a clock right next to the to the game? How am I going to remind myself to come, uh, come off and not get sucked into another game? Remember, these games are designed to hook um, and it gives off like that massive dopamine hit, which makes you feel really good. So how am I going to avoid that? How do I communicate my difficulties with my parents better 
So if I think something's unfair, how do I communicate that? If I want to change the negotiation, how do I do that? What's negotiable? What isn't? Mm-hmm. That's always a good question. And also um, learning how not to dump on others when you lose or get an outcome you don't want. Those are all things that I would encourage teens to have a look at. Next question. How do I get him off when I think he's been on too long? Well, perhaps the answer is in the question. How do you get him off? Well, how does he get himself off? Have you put those boundaries in place? Um, pull the plug if you need to. Warn him you're going to pull the plug. Or her. Let's make this genderless, gender neutral. Um, but warn them you're going to pull the plug. But you're going to have to follow through and pull the plug and potentially uh, do the consequence. But this is where it's so important. Don't just pull the plug before you have put any of these strategies in place. Otherwise... It's just aggressive, like fully aggressive. So really think about it. You may need to go to something quite that extreme, but why don't we build up to it? Why don't we give them an opportunity to build and learn the skills that clearly have not been developed up until then? And when you think he's been on too long, also again in the question, suggest that you haven't come up with that negotiation um, of timing. We are building life skills in our in our um, kids so let's 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 teach them how they're being manipulated by these games and um, how to be more discerning how to detach how to get out of that uh, play the game to have fun but not for it to to run your life if they're coming off for you and not for them they are far more likely to spew out at you than to actually know that it's a game and yeah they're irritated at the end of the game but really not your deal they are likely to you know fully blame you last question my daughter is getting really into inappropriate games for her age how do i get her off them okay first question first um when did she discover them and what does she get out of them it's so important to understand that nothing is done for no reason whatsoever. The brain is highly efficient. It um, it knows that it's getting something out of what it's doing. So you've got to work out and help them work out what it gets out of it. Um, is there something that you don't want to see? Hmm? Is she angry and this helps her relieve her anger? Is she frustrated, upset? Does she feel it gives her a thrill that she doesn't have elsewhere in her life? Uh, remember, this is not what you perceive her life to be, but how she perceives her life to be. Get to know their world. So there we go. That's it for today. Remember, all behavior is a form of communication and teens are working with a brain that is rejigging to deal with the new requirements of upcoming independence and more complex relationships at the same time as constantly learning through an education system that has a pace and an agenda that cannot easily bend to individual growth patterns. So they are going to have coping mechanisms that may be slightly dysfunctional and actually if they've held it together at school they may not hold it together at home and you may be seeing the stress uh, before they feel safe to show it elsewhere. Um, however, with gaming, it is often that they, they lose interest in their schoolwork and start going down at school. And sometimes that is where you actually notice it first. Um, it is always much easier to work on a health and balance model um, and always trying to fix and address an issue once it's exploded is pretty hard. So it takes honesty and and really don't feel ashamed of getting some support for yourself some counseling for yourself if you need it because the 
that is the number one tip for healthy relationships is to take responsibility for your own behavior first and to work as a, um, a team in the house. Trust and love and honesty, super, super important. Be consistent, be predictable, be reliable. You may consider you're boring, but actually that is what we need to, as reflections in our lives. We need to know that there are some consistency. Thank you for listening for this month's episode. I look forward to catching up next month when we have exam perspectives just in time for the HSE or for end of year exams or mid-year exams. They just seem to be constant now. So exam preparation is what we'll catch up with next. Enjoy your month. And um, if you want to send me in any questions, please do so via the Parents at Work portal and embrace all of the support that they have on offer for you. Till next time, see you.